that we kind of have to think that we're, we're not the old time companies with that everybody's going to get a 25 year pin anymore, that it's going to be more along the lines of maybe they'll be here two or three years. Um, and, and then what, how can we help them advance their careers going forward so that when they leave T-Square, they've had a great experience, they've felt supported, um, they've enjoyed their time here. Hello, professional property managers. Welcome to the Triple Win Podcast. We have Kelly Tollefson with us today. And if you aren't familiar with Kelly, uh, she's the co-owner and managing broker at T-Square Properties. She's been in this business for 26 years and counting. Uh, and you know she's, she's definitely at that stage where uh, she's giving a lot back to the industry as well. She was NARPM's president in 2020. And holy cow, nobody knew what Kelly was signing up for uh, when she was elected in 2019 to be the 2020 president, the pandemic president, as she likes to say. But I know how grateful Second Nature is and how so many other people were uh, as members of NARPM that Kelly's leadership uh, was there and so strong through such an interesting year with a lot of twists and turns. Uh, and just a real sincere commitment to provide great value to the membership. And that's something she did with a lot of heart, uh, with a lot of effort, with a lot of help. I know she'd be quick to recognize others' participation in that, uh, as humble as she is. But I just wanted to recognize her for everything you've done in your business and everything you've done in the industry. And we're so excited to finally have you as, on a, as a guest on the podcast today, Kelly. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you, Andrew. That's quite an introduction. It's my privilege and honor to be here sharing this uh, time with you. And like you said, yeah, nobody expected what happened in 2020. Certainly not me. But I think, you know, like you said, with the help of a lot of other people, we made it a great year. And, you know, hopefully everyone experienced that either with NARPM or in their businesses as far as making new changes. That's right. If people are listening to this podcast, it means they're still standing and they're still trying to get better. So <laughs> we are trying to elevate that vision, right? That is right. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, Kelly, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. We're gonna dive right in um, right. and get straight to it. We're gonna cover a lot of exciting ground today. I'll tease the audience here with a little bit of what we're gonna cover. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about HOA, which isn't something we've talked a lot about. Uh, on this podca podcast up to this point. Uh, we're going to touch on security deposits. We're going to touch on a hot topic right now, which is labor shortage and just the talent environment that we're all in right now. Uh, and also some of the things that T-Square does from a cultural standpoint, um, you know, and uh, an attitudinal standpoint leading people that I think people will get a lot of value from. And then we're going to talk a little bit about your perspective of how the industry is moving from a service industry to something else they got to listen to the very end to catch uh the end of that but that's how we get people to listen to the end kelly okay. uh is you you tease them at the end so let's dive in and start with hoa um can you tell us a little bit kelly about you know 26 years ago is that when you started hoa or was it was it at some point after managing long-term rentals like how did this get started 
So basically, uh, yeah. So we did start, you know, doing the the long term single family rentals of single, you know, the hot houses, and then it got into a little bit of multifamily, so on. And then one day, I got a call from a fourplex in Seattle that said, "Hey, do you manage associations?" And I thought, "Well, it's only four units. Of course, I could do that." And this was quite a long time ago. You know, fast forward. Um, We started doing that. Uh, We got a couple more associations and we had hired a gal on a temporary basis who's now been with us for 13 years, um, who really gravitated to how HOAs and community associations are managed. And it really took off. She loved it. She was thriving in it. Um, And Teresa has really taken it with, uh, you know, the people that we brought along and made it her own and kind of we say she's built an empire and today we manage 103 community associations. Um, And I guess we, we probably started really doing it though, Andrew, about 15 years ago, and it has really become a great source of uh, security after last year when, you know, February of 2020 hit March, April, and we didn't know what was going to happen with all of our rental management fee income, um, knowing that we had the association department, uh, we manage all of those bank accounts, those people were still paying dues, most of them were um, probably just similar to the uh, residential rentals in that there wasn't a lot of delinquencies, but um, we were still getting our fees. So it was a a really nice compliment, you know, and when everything started to kind of unravel with the residential rentals and not knowing, you know, what was going to happen, I could sleep at night knowing that the security of the revenue we were producing would get us through, could be a bridge if we needed it. Thankfully, we didn't need it because our rentals and our tenants were fabulous in paying their rent and we didn't get hit super hard with a lot of delinquencies. So in that regard, it's been a great compliment. In the other sense, um, while it's a good side-by-side business, they are two completely different animals. I tell people, um, if you're a sports fan, um, I think of, if you think of it differently, so to me, residential rentals is baseball. I'm really familiar with it. I get it. I My kids played it. I played it. Um, I love it. And then HOA management is like cricket, where you both have a bat, you have some bases, you have a ball, you hit it, and you run around some way, but it's totally different sports. So um, not everybody that can manage residential rentals can manage HOAs and vice versa. It does take a different breed of cat to do the HOA management. So hmm. it's been a great business for us, though. And so it, it sounds like, hey, you saw this adjacent business opportunity and mm-hmm. you found a person who's developed as a leader in your organization and you know it sounds like a long tenured person who really owns the operations and really running that smooth you know you've got your yeah. all-star cricket player in addition <laughs> yeah. to your all-star baseball players um yeah. you found the right person who's um who's really running that for you are there you know, could you describe a little bit of if somebody was interesting in looking at the HOA business, you covered some of the reasons why they might be attracted to look at that. Um, can you cover, you know, what were one or two of the the challenges as it was getting? So like, what were a couple of the key differences in the game, you know, that you noticed? The, t- the key difference is the mindset of your, 
resident. So it's you have a homeowner versus a tenant. Um, and the mindset is very different because the homeowner has invested hundreds of thousands of dollars and they have a different, they just have a different mindset while still maybe demanding. Um, it's a longer term investment mindset in their, in their minds. The other thing, um, the association management comes with a board of directors and that will, while you have your investor on the residential side, that person stays the same most most 100% of the time, the board of directors rotates and can change. So when you're when you're thinking about taking on an association and you have a great board that you're working with to be hired on, keep in mind the future board may not be like that. So take a look at what the property is actually like and what challenges you that property may you may face with that property. For example, if it's a 45-year-old property or maybe the ones here, the ones that were built in the late 80s, early 90s, all of them have had reclads. So we know that is something that will come with that property. So the people come and go. So two things, the homeowners have a different attitude, um, bigger investment, the boards change. And I would say that's three things, focus on the property itself. Um, not so much the people. We'll we'll have difficult boards or someone difficult on the board, um, but that person will change eventually, or perhaps other people will come on the board and and balance out that that person, and vice versa. You may have a great person, and then some they change and move out of the community and so on. So it's would say mostly focus on the the property if you can, rather than the people, would be a, mm. a key factor. And join CAI if you're if you're going to go do get some research, get some education. Um, CAI is what NARPM would be to us residential managers. It is CAI is what to the association managers. Excellent, I love it. Here's some differences and a great resource. Um, yeah. yeah, thanks for kicking off with that. And, and I, I'd like to segue, you know, from there. You talked about one of the main reasons to get into HOA. Mm-hmm. was it, it diversified your revenue streams, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it diversifies and strengthens your business in a way as long as it's a you know, strong piece kind of on its own, um, which it sounds like it is. You, you know, another thing we wanted to talk about was how is T-Square focusing on creating revenue that doesn't fall on the investor and why are you focused on, on that? Well... First of all, one of the focuses, the reasons why we focus on that is there's so many things that aren't related necessarily to to the fees we charge as a manager, as a third party manager, but property taxes are going up. Um, deferred maintenance costs are going up. All of those costs to be an investor, the you know, it's almost like trying to, especially in places like Seattle, Portland, and the two coastal city areas, you know, California, it's like threading you know, the eye of a needle to, to get successful management. So we just think there's a lot on the investor at this point. So what are some of the other things we can do? Um, we, you know, started Second Nature's RBP, which has been a great success. And we thank you guys for um, sticking with us. It wasn't something we just jumped into and we were going to do it right before the pandemic. And your team has been great in holding our hands and saying, it's going to be okay, patting us on the heads and say, you can do this. And so we have, and it's been successful. So the RBP is one, and we, we um, put that 
to the tenant and they get a value for it. We offer not just uh, the traditional things, but we offer some discounted fees for them throughout their tenancy. Um, and, you know, some other like a rekey or a lockout is a free one time kind of stuff. So there's some real value there for them in addition to all the other stuff, but there's some hardcore dollar compensation, if you will, for them. Um, one of the other things that we've been looking at, I haven't quite found a good opportunity is the security deposits. I don't think in the single family world, we are, I know we're not as competitive in the security deposits as we are in the multifamily. So we have, you know, a 2,700 square foot home that rents for, let's say $3,000. Um, and the security deposit is going to be close to that. You, while you can't get that size of a property, um, in a multifamily, you can get into a property a lot less expensively <laughs> with the security deposits being um, spread out over a, you know, a 200 unit complex. Um, they have a lot of room for that. And so we've been looking into how do we make it more affordable? It's not necessarily a revenue stream, but it's more of a way to reduce the risk, use that as a sales pitch, you know, part of our sales, um, presentation to an owner or our service presentation to an owner, we can offer more competitive security deposits so your tenant may stay longer and make it more affordable to move in. So therefore there's, they may move in faster because they don't have to wait to accumulate the money for the security deposit. So that, I think that's something that we need to be looking at as an industry of how we can do that differently in the single family, um, small multifamily world. It, I think the days of the really huge security deposits may be uh, fading. Hmm. So you, you just start to do the math, right? And it's like you've got three thousand dollars of rent, another three thousand dollars deposit, right? You've got the yeah. moving costs and application fees, everything else starting to add up. Yeah. And it's you may have somebody with a great credit score. You may have somebody with a great income. Like they're going to be able to qualify rent, be be a great resident, and they just don't happen to have eight thousand dollars of cash, you know, sitting around in the, exactly in the bank. And um, yeah, yeah the, the, it's interesting because what we see with security deposit alternatives, we've been talking to multiple providers in this space, and it's become an increasingly competitive space in multifamily. In multifamily, so I think yes. A lot of people are paying attention to it because there's a lot of people who have invested a lot of money to get the word out about their <laughs> companies in that space. Yeah. And what we've seen is in the past, multifamily attracts a lot of these vendors and prop tech and investment. And the reason mm -hmm. is because mm -hmm. large communities, you've got this volume and everything else and that people can bring in, whereas the single family market is a much more fractured market. It's fragmented, and so, yeah. It's much more fragmented. And and so, you know, they build it. And then the challenge they see when they think, oh, I've got to come over to, to single family, right, to get this segment of the market after they've done that, is they've built it all on this architecture, right, that's built for large multifamily communities. Cohesive, um, yeah. And the profit models and everything else, like there's just different damages. Uh, well, I, you know. I think too, with, I, I don't know it. I haven't probably, you guys have researched it way more than I have probably, but I'm thinking there's has to be something with the ownership, right? That it's the fragmented ownership of each property. It's not so much that it would be with T-square properties, but it's with the ownership of the home 
And that's where the fragmentation comes. If there could be a model that said, okay, for T-Square or whatever company, we're going to offer you this package for all of your tenants, somehow making that, you know, I don't know, like an umbrella security deposit type package without without the management company becoming an insurance broker or insurance agent, because that's not legal. You have to have a license, in, at least in the state of Washington, to sell insurance. So you have to be really right. careful walking that line, that fine line, and getting into it. It's hopefully we got something for you in 2022, Kelly. We'll okay. uh, <laughs> we'll keep you updated, it. but there's insurance, surety bonds, which is, is similar. And then, you know, technology solutions like a credit card authorization. There, there's a few different approaches and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what shakes out for SFR. Um, let's, let's take a pivot from that. And, you know, something I know that's on a lot of people's mind is, you know, some people are calling it a labor shortage. Um, I, I saw a stat, it's called like the great resignation I may get my number wrong here, and probably Carol will correct this in the show notes or something like that, but I, I believe I saw like 4 million people left their job in the month of April, I believe it was. Um, and this, we're, you know, it's something that's happening at really every talent level, um, yeah. you know, from entry-level employees to, to top-tier talent. There is a lot of activity and a lot of movement, you know, going on, and it can also be challenging to find uh, new talent, you know, to yeah. quickly replace replace that. And so it definitely feels like an employee's market uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways right now. Yeah. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about how you're seeing it and some of the things that T-Square is thinking about, you know, to, yeah. to navigate through it? Yeah, um, we're seeing it, and I'm sure all the property management third, well, you know, anybody that's trying to, to buy an appliance or get an appliance repaired, so it's trickling down all to all sectors. Um, you know, we had some flooring replaced in our own home, and one of the boxes we had LVP put in, and one of the boxes were damaged, and eight weeks later, another two boxes are being shipped. So we have it half done, which is, I understand it. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about, because um, I heard one of your other guests talking about this, a couple things, is that we did a really great job. And Andrew, you and I had a lot of conversations last year about how we were pivoting and how we that was the word of the 2020, right? And I, how did, how did I miss or how did we, or I'm not an economist, how did we miss pivoting into this labor shortage? It's almost like it happened again and shame on me the second time, right? Uh, that it happened again. How did we not see this? And maybe everyone else did. Maybe I was just too busy trying to run the business and didn't even think. And one of the other things is I think um, in 2020, there was no personnel movement in our industry or in my company at all. Everyone was just kind of holding firm. And then all of a sudden we, I don't know, came into 2021, end of 2020, and it's like everyone woke up and said, wait, I don't have to do it this way anymore. And I think there's so many things. I heard saw a news report the other day that people of, that have children, dual income families that have children, are not going back to work because childcare costs have elevated to the point where even they can't make it work. And generally, that's, you know, they were able to make it work, granted, maybe not as, as their net 
you know, revenue in their in their household or profits in their household, if you will, weren't that great. But now they can't even make it work because childcare costs are so high. And that's so it's not just I mean, it's everywhere. I, I And what we've tried to do, again, is because we've had a little practice in pivoting in adversity, um, we've really tried to go a little bit more of what can we who can we hire maybe on a global scale um, to do what we, in my company, we call the nickel job. So we don't like the dollar person doing the nickel job is the old saying, right? So how can we make the employment experience and the work experience for the talent that we have more enjoyable, richer? Um, and, you know, we're not vacillate, you know, we're not here as a playground, but we're here to challenge people and we're here to give them their livelihoods. But at the same time, we don't want to overstress them. So how can we do things differently? What, where can we invest in um, efficiencies? You know, whether it be one of the things your, your, one of your um, guests talked about was the pods they do. And we actually created a pod last year. Um, our, our portfolio, our residential portfolio was to the point where we had enough multifamily investor clients with enough units so that we split the, the portfolio. All the single family homeowners went to one portfolio and the others, the investors, and they're different mindsets. So they need different things. And then we created that. So we try to relieve a little stress that way in the organization. But I think, I don't know how long this labor shortage is going to go on. And I know it's a way, it's a place where as a company owner, we're having to re, um, redistribute revenue into that area and hopefully create an environment within our company that makes people want to stay. And it's not just about the money. So, you know, it's, it's other things, but there's definitely a labor shortage. Mm. Let's. Let's talk about that culture in just a second, because I know you, I think you've got some great things to share on that that our audience will want to hear. I just want to make a note for anyone listening that the episodes that Kelly just referenced, you can find, uh, I won't know the episode numbers, but Phil Vera is who you're going to be looking for. So if you just search V-E-R-A, you know, wherever you're searching podcasts and you find the triple win, you can find that where, she, where he talks about the pod system. And I think it's really cool, Kelly, how you talked about in your organization, there's a single family pod and a multifamily pod, and that's how it lines up and gets organized, which yeah. makes a lot of sense. Um, the other one that you referenced was Peter Lohman. And if you go to peterloman.com, you'll find a great um, 10,000 word. That's an exaggeration. It's probably three or 4,000 words. Uh, <laughs> but a very long article about uh, security deposit alternatives, as well as, you know, in his episode, we, we talk about this topic too. And one of the solutions I know he's looking at as you are is looking at global talent and mm -hmm. saying, you know, where can, where can the $10 an hour, you know, go, go further, you know, for somebody than it can in, in Washington potentially and offer a different lifestyle and different opportunity for them. That is also a match for the talent we need for the nickel job as you defined it, right? right. Somebody that can really well, do a great job with that. And We've been we've been using global talent for several years. Um, we one of our long term VAs is out of Cebu, Philippines. Katrina has been with us almost four years, um, so it's not something new. What we're looking at is we're not, um, and she's 
she's developed into a great team member, a really contributing, high-level contributing team member, but it's finding that high-level contributing team member at the start and, and trying to find that right person uh, that, you know, and I don't, think, I don't think the industry is quite to the point where we cannot have boots on the ground. I think we still need the faces in the properties, you know, the boots in the properties. And we need, we need to be looking at when the flood happens, we need to go out there and do, we can't just have our vendors do it all the time. So, yeah, that's, that's right. There's certain things you just can't smell all the way from the Philippines that might tell you something needs attention. We had an assistant property manager. Her husband had an opportunity to move to Boise, Idaho, which they've wanted to do for years. And so she works remotely um, and is a great member of our team as well. Um, so, but she can't do the move outs at the peak time of the month, right? When we need those move outs done. So it's just different ways. How do we, how do we manage all that? And that's one of the things on this labor shortage. I wish I would have seen it coming. And, and I, foresight is long-term foresight's not my strong suit. That's why I am married and working with my husband. He, that's his thing. And, and we, neither of us really saw it coming. It was, um, you know, just took us all by surprise. And then one more thing we get to practice our uh, pivoting on. That's right. Uh, hey, didn't we already prove our adaptability in 2020? We got to keep thought, doing this again. I, but, that's uh, what I thought. <laughs> I, I think your, uh, your words will land on a lot of soft ears, Kelly, because I, I don't think there were a lot of people who anticipated or anticipated to the degree the, the that degree. they'd be experiencing the challenges that they are today with talent, um, you know, and it, it is always easier in hindsight to say things like, well, the shift to remote work opened up a lot of possibilities and just a lot of people are th thinking about their relationship with their work and what they want from their work experience. And, you know, there's a lot of people trying to hire people. And so they've, they've got options. Um, well, the, stim the stimulus plays into it. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of factors that go into it, but, um, and you it's said, definitely you know, happening. their work, their work experience is it's more their life experience. You know, it's what it, it's not work-life balance anymore. It's work-life integration. Didn't we talk about that at PMLX? It's work-life integration and, you know, being able to sit at your desk and work and go put your laundry in the wash and then sit at your desk and go stick it in the dryer and feed your, dog or, you know, take your dog for a quick walk. It's all that integration. And that's what people are, I think a lot of people are looking for and we need to adapt a little better. So, so I want to ask you about this because I know at T-Square, you all are passionate and have taken active steps on saying, we want the work environment here. We want the experience right here, uh, not to be just a place that you show up to receive a paycheck, right? That's right. But there's, yeah. there's more offered than that. There's more to keep someone motivated than that. There's more to strive for than that. And could you talk a little bit about what you all do to maximize culture as you define it, um, you know, and create a great, well-rounded opportunity for people to, to grow and enjoy their experience working at T-Square? Yeah. So one of the things that we discovered that even, you know, even though we were working all in the same location, we are much closer now as a team. And part of that is because we can 
click on, uh, you know, we use Microsoft Teams. I think you guys use Slack. You can have all these great conversations just on the fly without really interrupting people. And that has really developed um, empathy with our teammates and with our those folks we work with. And that's been really one of the greatest things. A couple other things that we've done just through the years is we really advocate for someone's education. And so we do offer an education allowance every year to every employee. And it doesn't always necessarily have to be tied to exactly what they are doing in their role in the company. So for example, if somebody wanted to say, hey, you know, I really want to learn how to make no pun intended, pivot tables on Excel. Can I go take this Excel class? And yes, we say yes, if you think that's going to advance you. Now, if someone said, you know, I want to go take a veterinarian class, we'd probably put not let that happen. But we really like to encourage people to pursue their dreams um, while they're here at T-Square. But like we were talking about the labor shortage and one, I think it was, I, again, I've listened to both of those podcasts. I can't remember which one it was that we kind of have to think that we're, we're not the old time companies with that. Everybody's going to get a 25 year pin anymore, that it's going to be more along the lines of maybe they'll be here two or three years. Um, and, and then what, how can we help them advance their careers going forward so that when they leave T square, they've had a great experience. They've felt supported um, they've enjoyed their time here. Um, you know, one of the things we like to do is a fun committee. We we have a few people on the team that do the fun committee, and we um, we try to do a, you know, we did uh, go kart racing before the pandemic. Um, we had some axe throwing set up that didn't pan out. Just different things that we like to do with our team to create a sense of team and fun but yet at the same time with work. So it's not all about the money and the compensate and the dollars and the salary. There's so much more to the package and just trying to give people opportunities to advance themselves, knowing that they're not necessarily going to do it here. Although we hope they do. I, I love what you said there. And I think a lot of teams have been challenged in the last year and a half to say, how do we create a strong sense of belonging how do we strengthen the bonds between team members? How do we help them feel more connected to their purpose and their motivation, but also each other? And I, I love some of the examples that you just gave that are really practical to people, which, you know, there's versions of that that could be done in person. I can't yeah. imagine a digital ax throwing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, but we did, but, um, you know, Alex Abernathy, Scott Abernathy, the current president, his son has a really cool um, trivia night that can be done on Zoom um, that we did a couple of times. We did scavenger hunts so you could have your whole family play in the scavenger hunt via Zoom. And so there are, we did a lot of fun things, um, you know, that, that we're doing fantasy football. We're starting our, our draft is tonight. So we're getting fantasy football started. And, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. And it's like you said, it's creating a connection when people are feeling less connected, I think is really important to have, mm -hmm. To have that, and if if my company and our our people, the people that work here, can provide that for someone else, then that makes them feel good, and then it's just an upward reciprocation. So, yeah. I I want to also just recognize one more example, uh, which I don't mean is a a self serving one at all. Truly, all the credit to you, which is, you know, you were one of a handful of companies that brought 
I think your entire team, uh, or a significant portion of the team, maybe somebody had to, you know, uh, <laughs> make sure things weren't burning down. But yeah. uh, but a significant uh, number of people from your team, you know, you brought into an education experience, you know, in PMLX, and I'm I'm sure there are other opportunities that you do as well, whether it's specific to a skill like getting the Excel pivot tables done or something else. Yeah. But um, you know, I think there's just a lot of power in having a shared educational experience and there's mm -hmm. shared language that everyone gets. It's at the same time versus even like a book a month, people are reading the books at different yeah. places. They're in different, there, there can be challenges with that. Whereas an event is this focusing event um, that you can come out of, you know, has that been successful for you, whether it was PMLX or other events you've done with teams in the past? Has that, yeah, has that worked for you guys? Yeah, absolutely has. Um, we are a team, mostly women, and we've done a women in leadership event, an all day program. Uh, not This was a few years ago prior to the pandemic. And we all went, you know, we traveled up to, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to the event, attended it, um, participated, had lunch together. And those are the kind of things that really do. And, and that's one of the things we missed out on. You know, we missed, everyone missed in during the pandemic and even now as as coronavirus continues its journey through our lifestyles. It's something we all miss. And just getting those connections is definitely a great way to do it. And we do, right now we have a, our HOA team meets weekly um, on Tuesday mornings and they go over some training stuff. The difference between HOA is they're all portfolios. So they're all doing the same thing side by side. So it's easy training, whereas on the residential side, we're kind of all a spoke and a wheel, right? We're all working on the same on the same property, but doing different things, right? Um, so the HOA team meets weekly, and then we, the um, residential team, we do a Tuesday-Friday huddle. So just the Tuesdays are ask a question. Today, the question was, what is the weirdest food combination that you absolutely love? And then on Fridays, we do training and they're just a little half hour, 20 minutes, half hour, you know, kind of thing. And we try to separate it, but make it valuable. So that's one of the things mm. I've learned over the years is don't have a meeting just to not have a meet, just to have a meeting, got to make it valuable. Love that. Love yeah. that. Thanks for sharing that, Kelly. Let's, um, let's end on this note. We, we promised people at the beginning, so we can't leave them hanging at the end. Uh, but you, you said something just before we hit record about how you see property management as a, a service industry, but that actually T-Square is talking more about providing a blank. Um, <laughs> how, how do you as, answer that question? I, prov I think we provide a lifestyle for people. We provide a lifestyle for investors that, you know, when it boils, we get down to it, it's time or money. And do you want more time to have the life that you want by spending a little more money? Or do you want to spend the money and then you manage the property? And, um, you know, we've had a like a lot of different states and area, municipalities and counties and so on. A lot of challenges in the landlord tenant law and that legislation has really caused a lot of strife for landlords. It's It's been really difficult to navigate. And we provide the expertise so that someone that ha is an investor will feel safe and be able to sleep at night knowing that we are the experts navigating that legislation. So I think, you know, we try to look at it as we provide a lifestyle for someone um, and not, not a service necessarily. I know a lot of people talk about it as 
tactical and task oriented, which it is, but there's a lot of conversations we have that that help tenants with their lifestyle. Some of the services we provide make it easier for tenants to live their lives. And I do, I think we just look at it as we're providing a lifestyle. Hmm. Love that. There's a lot of people talking about how going from a thinking about delivering a service to delivering an experience. And I love mm -hmm. what you said about talking about, hey, a lot of people droop their sh drop their shoulders and they feel discouraged and defeated with all the changing legislation. But I love how you are casting your sail you know, into that wind and saying, this is actually a reason to work with us because are you going to keep up with it? You know, just to keep yeah. up with managing your one or two homes or your fourplex, whereas we got to do this because we got to stay on top of it for all of these homes that we manage. Right, um, right. And my team's I, done a really good job of, on both the HOA side. There's been a lot of, lot of legislation changes in the HOA side and um, and the residential side. So it, it I just can imagine these investors seeing this task list, uh, like the, the length of a CVS receipt. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and saying, yes. do I really want to do all that? Or yeah. do I want Kelly and the T-squared team that's been doing this for 26 years to do that for me? Um, yeah. I, I love how you're presenting that. Well, yeah, And you know, like I said it before we hit record too, we're not always perfect. We miss the mark just like lots of people do. But, you know, it's about making sure that you communicate openly and transparently. And, um, you know, it, it, and if you look at it, if we look at it that way to say, hey, I'm here to make your life easier. Um, then I think it's a good match. That's a great note to end on. Kelly Tolson, everybody. Kelly, thank you again for being so generous with your time, uh, your insights, your wisdom. Uh, we really appreciate you and how you show up to all the live events that we do. You know, people listening to this, if they attend a live event, you may end up in a, a small breakout room, a little digital roundtable with Kelly at some point, uh, which would be a real gift. I've really enjoyed getting to know you uh, this past year and a half. That's that's one of my greatest gifts I'm counting from 2020. And uh, really glad we got to do this before 2021 was over. Yeah, well, thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate the opportunity. And it's always fun to talk. That's all for this episode of The Triple Win. Thanks go out to Carol Housel and Jeff Tucker for everything they do to put these episodes together. And we want to remind everyone that you can find more resources, upcoming events, a link to our private Facebook group where the conversation continues in between these episodes with other professional property managers. All of that you can find at rbp.secondnature.com. Again, that's rbp.secondnature.com. And until next time, keep transforming what it means to be in professional property management by finding and applying your next triple win. We want it to be true that every time we see you, we see a better version of you and your business. With that, cheers. <laughs>